Welcome to the Zanzizi Podcast. Zanzizi Zambibi. Welcome to the Zanzizi Podcast with Red Dead 2023 and... Casey at the bat. Mama Casey. She's here, folks. I heard. You said, where is your partner? And I brought her. I always love doing this. You do? Yeah. Okay, good. Because every <laughs> time I see you, my heart goes... <laughs> you hear the crowd? They're out there. I see you, Ireland. They're asking, what is the topic today, Ryan? Animal actors. Have you heard of them? Yeah. Ook, ook. It's time for my big break. Ook. Who's that? It's a monkey. Curious George? Yeah. He's like, do I got to work with this yellow hat man? I demand 15 golden bananas before... He's and not, I must have one solid bowel movement. He, he's an he's a he's a an animal, but not a real live actor. When I think of that, I think of Mr. Ed immediately. Oh, we'll talk about him. But let's get into it. Animal actors. Have you seen him? Do you love him? What is your review of Dunstan Jackson? Who? You don't know about Dunstan? No. From Dunstan Jackson? I have no idea. That sounds like a different language that you're talking about. Jason Alexander's incredible vehicle. Well, we'll talk about it later. Oh, man. I'm living under a rock, working too hard. Living under a rock. All I do is work and clean. According to an article on encyclopedia.com about animal actors, quote, actors are cattle. From Alfred Hitchcock is reported to have said this, yet cattle can also be actors. For Howard Hawks' Red River from 1948, second unit director Arthur Rawson had been having a nightmare working with a huge herd for sequences that show them moving from Texas to Abilene under the direction of John Wayne and Montgomery Clift. So painful was this experience for Rawson and director Howard Hawks that Hawks finally remarked, quote, Go out and try to tell 1,500 cows what to do. What to moo. Sorry. I'm just like, if you if you yourself want to feel like cattle, just go to Disneyland and stand in those lines. That's true, but now they've got they Fast Pass, and then they've got like people. Elite Disney Pass. Well, they weren't thinking. Because... <laughs> Give me the money, honey. Holy cow, that was good. That sounded exactly like Goofy. Well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> was it not supposed to be Goofy? Oh, it was no. Goofy. Oh, okay, good. No, maybe it was Mickey. I don't know. But anyway, animal performances have constituted some of the most provocative moments in the history of film. From its earliest days and even before, from the pre-cinematic projections of Running Horses by Edward Moybridge... 
1878 to the Scrambling Dog and the Lumiere's Workers Leaving a Factory from 1895. National Velvet nosing past the finish line, the fluffy white cat gazing malevolently from Blowfield's lap at his next victim in Diamonds Are Forever from 1971. That's a James Bond movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The shark mechanically snacking on Quint and Jaws. Even oh, yeah. though that wasn't a real... That was mechanic. That was no free willy. <laughs> oh, that's coming up later. Is it? Did you love that movie? I remember the 90s, and that movie was just next level for everybody. You remember the 90s, yet you don't know about Dunstan and his, Honey, his hotel mishaps. Honey, I don't know all the things like you. You have a lot of stuff in your oh. head that I have probably... Oh, gosh, a tiny fraction because I'm you, all over the place. You have a lot. Okay, so I would say 40% of your brain is trying to figure out how to save the world. And I get that. I do do that. And and, and, and brighten up people's days. It's a lot and of present moment stuff. Which is good. I need I need my honeybee to be present. Screen animals can be a human's best friend. In The Birds, for example, Hitchcock marches into a pet shop with his two beloved Scottish terriers. In Turner and Hooch, from 1989, Tom Hanks is a detective whose working partner is a huge mutt. In Men in Black 2, a pug vocally animated by Danny DeVito accompanies Will Smith with a much too wry commentary on sex life. Oh boy. Danny DeVito, who played the penguin in my favorite Christmas movie, Batman Returns. Everybody loves Danny DeVito. Bill Murray is physically bonded to his goldfish, Bob, in the movie What About Bob from 1991. But animals can be particularly chilling villains. Sherlock Holmes is daunted by the Hound of Baskervilles, an iridescent and wrath-like Great Dane. In Strangers on a Train from 1951, Guy Haynes sneaks up to Bruno's father's bedroom only to find a growling mastiff. I will say as a mailman, some of the craziest encounters I have are with dogs, obviously. But generally, the meanest dogs are the small ones. Oh, yeah, they're so nasty. Except for you, Burrow of Love. Azuro. Zanzi He's Zipata's. no Chihuahua. He's no Chihuahua, but he is our gay He's black like stepson. He is. I love him. He's a good boy. Yeah. So, animals in production. The use of animals as on-screen performers presents a range of technical, legal, choreographic, medical, and strategic difficulties. Special medical insurance may be required for animal just as for human performance, which makes sense. Because animals are relatively incompetent linguistically. Not, cor- la- not Lassie. Well. He knew how to talk to everybody. That's true. Fucking Timmy fell down a goddamn well again. Can I get a cigarette break he on set? He would never cuss. Lassie would never cuss in a million Look, years. Look, Lassie, we'll get into the debauchery later, but Lassie had a few Hollywood parties. Well, I'm okay? wondering how many Lassies were there. <laughs> you never, You could never know. Look. I don't even want to get into I'll the shenanigans that happened on the That's Adventures not- of Milo and Otis and Homeward Bound, but there's a lot of dead pugs and kittens out there, uh. supposedly. Anyways, so in the film within a film in Truffaut's Day for Night in 1973, for example, there is a scenic reference to the director's earlier The Soft Skin, itself a play upon Jean Vigo's La Atlantique. 
that uses a kitten to demonstrate this difficulty. The scene calls for a pair of lovers to wake up one morning, open the door of their motel room, and find a kitten begging for a bottle of milk that has been left on their stoop. When they pour a little into a saucer, she drinks. But the feline actor has other things in mind and keeps heading off screen. Oh, no. Somebody had their watch doing the reflected light thing. Well, cats are not going to do anything you say ever. Somebody get this guy with a laser pointer off set. It's got to be some high manipulation lasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the feline actor has other things in mind and keeps heading off screen. In the close shot that focuses upon her as she sniffs at the saucer of milk, the hand of the assistant director is visible, pushing the animal back into the frame. Many takes are needed before everyone is happy. While in real life, nothing would seem to be simpler or more natural. In filmmaking, this moment is a supremely difficult... uh, Everybody hated that cat on set. Yeah, they're all like French being like, Sacre oh bleu, get this pussy off the set. It's not going paying in my trailer. attention. Get it a croissant and a cigarette. If we could just roll a tiny one. Everybody knows our kitties need <laughs> nicotine. I'm like, I keep wanting to like just cut you off right that at the end. And this town needs an enema. <laughs> I just kind of let you keep going. Straighten me out, Jack. All right, so. Animals must be rested between takes because they tire (laughs) under the intense heat of the lights and are likely to react adversely to problems. Okay, divas. They need to relax. Somebody give them a half a Xanax. They need to get onto pause to gram so they can update their feed to their. Meow, meow. Today on set, I had many takes. Meow. But not enough bowls of warm milk. I'm just saying. Oh, interesting. So this is from Annie Hall, one of Woody Allen's most, uh, I would say is one of his best films. Obviously, he's very taboo and not cool because of what he did when it comes to marrying his stepchild. But anyway, in the movie, Allen and Diane Keaton's Annie are supposed to lose control of their lobsters they are about to cook so that the animals fall to the kitchen floor and a chase sequence ensues. Unexpectedly, though, the lobsters scuttling around the kitchen in the rented location disappeared against the brick red floor tiles because the crustaceans had been painted red, authentic greenish uncooked lobsters being unappealing to the eye, so a plywood floor had to be dropped and speedily whitewashed. Against the kitchen floor, the cosmetically improved animals showed up beautifully on camera. Again, diva quality. I'm not changing. You're changing your entire floor. Snap, snap. I'm a lobster. Yeah. Snap, snap. Yeah. I'm just saying. Demanding actors. While screen action involving animal performance is constructed to look believable and is often intended to represent excitement and danger, care must be taken to ensure the safety, nourishment, and protection of animals working in the film industry. Originally in line with Section 12 of the Production Code Administration's Guidelines in 1930, quote, There shall be no use of any contrivance or apparatus for tripping or otherwise treating animals in in any unacceptably harsh manner. Yeah, no animals were harmed during the filming of this movie. Well, in 1930, they didn't prepare for what would be the animal holocaust called Ben-Hur. There's a movie in 1959 where like a hundred horses died. Oh my gosh. They'd have guys that literally be like, that one's stumbling too much. What? Oh yeah. Well, not only that, but ha, ha, Disney. We're, we're 
they had a documentary called like Winter Wonderland where they're like these lemmings um they are going to wa- because there was this whole like the not even a theory but basically they had this idea that like well lemmings they just uh they walk off a cliff cuz like lemmings they just follow along and like 20 lemmings died but where they filmed there weren't lemmings so they had to buy the lemmings fly the lemmings and then kill the lemmings that is a really sad story. So, you know how on Disney Plus, basically, they have this whole thing about ratings, like, or basically warnings, because they're like, oh, by the way, Song of the South, there's racism, oh. or, or certain things have these warnings that come up now to oh, say, hey, no, by the way, there's stereotypes. Oh, wow. They don't have any warnings like that, and that is a Disney Plus show that's going up. So, if you want to, you know, contact Disney... <laughs> Give them a fucking fuck you because animals are important too. It's true. Just saying, we're animal lovers, and this this is particularly why I wanted to do this episode because I also think animals, especially certain animals who are mistreated in the film industry, should be getting some sort of accolades. I mean, they do get paid, and we'll get into that. I was going to say, I all of a sudden was thinking, didn't they have a golden retriever on Full House? Oh, yeah. But, I wonder and, how much that Golden Retriever got paid. Well, we can do a side tangent right now and just say, um, how much do animal actors get paid? According to Yahoo Answers, approximately US dollars 50 to $350. When an animal is hired, it is paid a daily wage, approximately 50 to 350 Unlike human actors, animals do not receive residuals. They are considered freelancers and are paid only a one-time oh fee. Oh my gosh, they're the slaves of our time. Well, certain actors, like dog actors, like we'll say Eddie from Frasier, he was paid a pretty solid rate, and we'll get into that later on in the episode, probably in the second segment. Um, but there are quite a few different animal actors for us to okay if well. it to to go through but um there was later on more of a f- more of a solid like when you think of the animals being in film you probably immediately think of that no animals were harmed during the filming of this yeah you think that that really comes from a 1980 agreement with the screen actors guild um, the responsibility for overseeing animal care and filming motion pictures and television shows rests with the Film and Television Unit of the American Humane Association. Yeah. The AHA, a couple of crooked fucks sometimes. And since they can't harm animals, then... They harm themselves they... and their souls by tr- mistreating our furry friends sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I have CGI a lot of and then well, that's kind of a le- a way to get around it. I yeah. look, I'm not blaming anyone in particular. I just think that sometimes we'll just say certain people in high professional positions who want to get a film out probably do certain things and take certain chances. I mean, look, in the last year we had a production stopped because Alec Baldwin accidentally shot somebody on set. Oh, I know. You know, I mean Mistakes happen. Humans make errors, and I get that. But we need to be a bit smarter on these. Look, 
Just safety. Just safety. Yeah. I know it's boring, but oh, like it's... people protested seatbelts back in the day because they thought their rights were going to get taken away. Oh my god! They gosh. also we are humans are insane. They protested drunk driving laws. Most people, most oh most weekend gosh. warrior dads got to and from their. That fucking ex-wife. I gotta pick up my fucking crotch fruit and drive him up to oh my, my fucking dad. dad pad. The only way I'm gonna get there is with at least two coors in my belly. Right. Dangerous. I'm just saying. As I slam my liquid death. Sponsor the show. Email us at zanzizipodcast at gmail.com. It's water for manly men. True. So, now, the American Hume, Humane Association, they're great in that they are kind of why you have that no animals were harmed. Yeah. Whenever I think about the Humane Society, though, I just think about them putting a bunch of animals down. Why do I have that? Well, that's the sad thing about when you talk about animals... It's like it's just too many. One of them. when when kid when little little Susie May goes, well, I want to be a veterinarian one day. The sad truth the adult thinks is like that also means you're gonna have to put down a lot and see <gasps> a lot of animals think of get that. put down. But you're right. Oh my gosh. So it's like your heart gets broken even more. Adulthood robbing us of our dreams every step of the way. Just kidding. Uh babe. Yeah. I love you. Uh oh, what happened to your screen? Nothing. Okay. It's just being funny right now. It's Do a bunch you- of pop up ads. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Free Willy, uh, Lassie, Mr. Ed, yes. the Golden Retriever, um, On Full House. I can't really think of any other ones. Oh, what's that one um, ape that like. Tore up a bunch of cast members. Remember? That was from a movie we watched. Oh, gosh. You're thinking of Nope. But, no. Am I? Well, may, maybe, but isn't that a true story? We'll find out in the second segment. Oh, okay. Well, let's keep going, baby, 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 baby. So, many techniques of scene simulation are used, including blue or green screen background protection, mechanically operated simulated animals or animal parts or animatro- animatronics. A process involving hydraulic systems, manipulated camera speeds, editing, padded environments, and specially designed costumes. In Dr. Doolittle 2, for instance, a suicidal tiger paces on a window ledge and is talked down by the animal psychiatrist, Eddie Murphy. The tiger was filmed pacing against a green screen, and this image was then combined optically with a shot shot taken at a designed window ledge. Using computerized two computerized two-dimensional imaging techniques frames showing an animal moving its mouth naturally can be individually coordinated with a pre-recorded soundtrack to give the impression and close-up that the animal is mouthing words other examples can be found in animal farm 1999 and babe pig in the city 1998 (gasps) did you forget about that little piggy i watched that movie so many times did you I did because it was like the only movie at my brother's house. So my brother's much older, and I when I was like, is Babe a Christian? Seven or eight? No, it was just the only VHS tape that they had. So I watched it a million times. Was it so? I don't know what the story of that is. It just that like one day the pig wakes up and he's like, oink oink, I can talk. Um, it. Oh, let me think if I can remember. Um, 
I think the farmer had a pig, and then it went to a fair, and then it it somebody won it at the fair. I don't remember actually. Does the t- pig talk? Yeah. Why does he talk? I don't remember. I just remember mm. <laughs> that it was an awesome movie at the time. All right. Well, check out Babe. It's a movie about a pig that talks. So stuffed stand-ins or stuffies are used frequently. In the movie, there's something about Mary. A dog gnaws at a man's trousers, is kicked away, and then picked up and thrown out a window. I love that. That's in Anchorman as well. And that's one of the hardest times I ever laugh is when I can tell it's a stuffed animal and then it gets booted off a bridge or something. I remember that distinctly. When, like, you, when you were laughing at you that, love, I was like, man? oh, this is a different part of his soul that I have never seen before. <laughs> you want to see me laugh ever. so hard? <laughs> it's like the Mr. Bill f- thing. Like, it, Mr. Bill, the Saturday Night Live. If, kids, if you haven't seen it, I'm older than dirt. And it's one of these things where Mr. Bill would fall off of buildings and all this stuff. And it was always just this, like, clay figure just, like, going, ah. Oh, my god! And it, it always makes me laugh so hard. You want to instantly make me laugh, do that. So uh, a real dog went for the, like I said, a stuffed dog gets kicked away. In The Birds, one of the most celebrated animal films in the history of the medium, Ray Berwick was responsible for training and handling dozens of gulls, sparrows, crows, and other avians. In a birthday party scene, gulls fly at children eating cake. The birds' beaks had been wired shut, and one creature managed to fly off. Which seems like that would piss the birds off. Imagine if your mouth was wired shut. And yeah, like, again, it sounds like animal abuse. Yeah, that doesn't sound very friendly. No. Now the, we can just do it with computers. The tricks that trainers, cinematographers, directors, and handlers use in order to produce realistic but bizarre animal performances on screen are un- uncountable. In Daddy Daycare, a tarantula crawling over a character's head was created by using a real Daddy tarantula. Daycare, I remember that tarantula scene. That was very scary. And a styrofoam human head. Such a creature was as easy to obtain in Hollywood as a cute puppy. The animal manager and supplier, Jim Brockett, keeps cockroaches, tarantulas, alligators, vipers, and other lethal and non-lethal insects and reptiles at Brockett Film Fauna in Ventura County. I have a question. Mm-hmm. When you were a kid... Did you have like first grade class where they like made you handle a tarantula? No, I do remember them wanting us to dissect uh, like a frog. Well, that was like, yeah, older years. But I remember being very young thinking, why are they letting us little kids hold a tarantula? I think. I think. It shaped us into some strange I've never people. been scared of spiders. Some people really are terrified, but to me it's like let the kids handle them then you know, it'll they're, like they're growing up with them. Well, this also makes me wonder like what are your what are your feelings on insects? Okay. Cuz cuz okay. obviously they're considered to be like uh animal actors. Like what do you <laughs> what do you feel? Okay. So People who know me know this about me, so now everybody's going to know this about me. If a fly or a bug or anything makes it into my house, they are trespassing, and I will zap them with a zapper. I have a bug zapper that is in the shape of a tennis racket. I know, I've seen it. And it's gone. They're gone, man. They're gone. Same with spiders. 
like you're getting smushed and down the toilet. I don't know what else to say. But you're not afraid of them, or are you afraid? of Well, them? I don't know if I'm afraid. What about no, worms? maybe I'm. No, I'm not afraid of worms. Okay. Nope. Worms I used to dig up all the time when I was a kid. That's like a. That's why I love fishing. Did you hurt them, or did you just like? Did dig I them? hurt the worms? Hurt. Hurt. Well, I mean, I'd feed them to fish so I could. Right. Hurt. But fishing, I mean, fish will eat anything. Fish will eat you. No. Oh, do you mean, did I abuse animals when I was a child? Yeah. No. I didn't not think at so. Not at all. Not at all. In <clears throat> fact, um, this is a, a tangent. Sorry, guys. Um, I went on like a kid youth group trip when I was in like seventh grade, something like that. And one of the boys, um, we were like around this pond when there, there was like a, a bunch of... Um, uh, frogs and a bo- one boy took this random two by four and oh trigger warning anyways I don't even have to say the rest of the story you can just know what it was and to this day it breaks my heart look at me talking about it well, never got over the it the truth is you're an animal lover and your soul yeah so that hurt alright let's talk about these actors I thought I was a Pisces <laughs> sorry I have my Jack Nicholson Moment. It is two fish, though. It is, you know, for all that horoscope stuff, astrology. I do feel like one part of me loves animals, would take care of anything. And then the other part of me is zapping these mosquitoes. No shame. Gone. I get it. Mosquitoes, though, carry a lot of disease, but that's a future episode. And Seabiscuit, horses never ran more than three furlongs, furlongs at a time in the meticulously core choreographed simulated races. An American wedding made use of trained tree squirrels, as did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005. A pair of identical Pomeranians who shared one role and a dog who was cajoled into leaping onto a character's pants by a hidden pocket full of cream chicken. Oh my gosh. They're just saying. Somebody had a pocket full of cream chicken? Right. So it's basically, this is how they, they, the tricks to get the animals to do what they need them to do on screen. Yep. So characters exist only within the boundaries of a fictional world while actors animate them from underneath, within or behind. But animal characters are not always played by animal actors. In other words, an animal performance can be achieved without animals. Humans can animate animals as did the half boy, Johnny Eck who played a bird creature and the Goonie bird in Tarzan the Ape Man. Tarzan Escapes from 1936 and Tarzan's Secret Treasure from 1941. Johnny Ook, because he was a monkey man. Sorry. Oh, side tangent. We watched this movie around the time we first started dating when we would occasionally take the psychotropic drugs to our dome and we watched after William Hurt died I decided we should watch the movie what was that movie called I don't know it started off real altered good. states altered states started off cool. real really I was like oh this is great because they were taking ayahuasca with native tribes or whatever it yeah was. And, and then, then monkey man shows up I'm like what kind of turn did this movie just do we just both started laughing so, uh, 
There are other examples of humans playing animals, as in the movie Monkey Business, Monkey Stuff, Jazz Monkey, Prohibition Monkey, which sounds like a monkey who doesn't like to party, and Down in Jungle Town from 1924. Other examples of human-generated animal performance include the apes in the Dawn of Man sequence from 2001 A Space Odyssey, awesome movie, future episode, the woodland gorillas in Instinct from 1999, and the apes who nurture John Clayton slash Christopher Lambert and Gray Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes from 1984. I think when humans play apes, kind of like when, you know, Planet of the Apes and that stuff, sometimes it can add a human performance to it that I appreciate, especially in older films. But I, th- I can see why people like more of the modern, like say with the, the newer Planet of the Apes trilogy. Like I... You know, spoiler alert for the dawn of the planet of the apes, and that obviously the the apes and the humans clash, and there's a conflict. But the apes in those movies are fucking awesome, yeah. and like dawn of the planet of the apes is literally on my top fifty greatest movies of all time. Like the opening sequence of that is incredible. Um, the spunky little rodent hero of Stuart Little, vocalized by. Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. We just watched Still, we watched the documentary. Still. Gets That's a big really thumbs good. up from us. It made me cry at yeah. the end. I never really appreciated Michael J. Fox, but it I really got to know him in that film. Yeah, it was good. Me too. The giant cockroach in Men in Black or some form of animatronic mechanical artifice, the protagonist in King Kong... Uh, the shark and jaws, affectionately called Brucey during production. The goofy kangaroo, with vocalization by and Adam Garcia and Kangaroo Jack, and the giant squid from Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. All animatronic screen animals. Animal actors may play animal characters of a different breed or species. In Red River, for example, historical accuracy would have called for the herds to be played by longhorn cattle, but very few longhorns were available to Howard Hawks, and so he placed them close to the camera, a procedure requiring considerable production time. Most of the cattle were actually Herefords, Herefords? who in deep perspective were... where details would not be visible to the audience, played Longhorns. In Legend, oh my God, about to blow your mind, honey. Do it. There's no such thing as unicorns. It was a horse that portrayed a unicorn. Yeah. You hit a certain age and realized everything was fake, didn't you? Well, I, I don't think my parents really did a good job at trying to hide any of it. I knew Santa was fake at um, when I was three years old mm. and I went over to the neighbor's house and tricked them with my mom after they had gone to bed and we like uh, rang some bells so they would think it was Santa and I was in on it at three so I don't know they were done parenting probably <laughs> but no I, I I actually I don't know keeps me down to earth yeah yeah like what do you think you would do? If if Burrow just rolled over and started talking to you, um, my heart would stop, and I would think, "What the heck? This is a dream." I and we would just go crazy. I would absolutely be like, "What the heck is going on?" And it's, it's, 
it would scare me. It would be like... Like if he looked at you and he was like, Mom, can we go for a walk? Uh, no, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. At all. And be like, damn, this no, edible I, that, really that's kicked why, in. You know, that's why animals are awesome because they don't talk back. They don't have any opinions. They don't, I mean, you know, it's kind of selfish, but if you love them well, then it's fine. I was checking my doggy iPhone. It looks like the weather's going to be clear and smooth. Let's take a walk. Ugh, you know, you, know he'd you just, just don't want to hear Let's it. Let's take a walk. Let's <laughs> take a walk. I just don't want to hear it. I just want to cuddle with him. Mom, I haven't peed on that. It's awesome. <laughs> um, what is essential in scenes played between humans and animals is the sense of co-presence and mutual awareness but an animal's awareness on screen may be established narratively considering the attack of the giant spider and the incredible shrinking man from 1957 a man shrinks to the size of a pea and retreats to his basement where he encounters a household spider photographed from his perspective the spider is a giant in order to achieve this effect the director jack arnold simply matted together shots of the actor grant williams on a set made of enormous props with shots of a normal spider taken through a telephoto lens the spider on screen seems properly bellicose and unyielding, a true enemy of human flesh, yet the actor who plays this spider is a spider unaware of its own performance. Right. The millions of ants that mount Charlton Hested in Naked Jungle from 1954 do not need to know they are acting in order to perform brilliantly. Sometimes the entertainment value for the audience is provided precisely by the lack of clarity as to whether or not an on-screen animal is in the know. A beautiful example is given in Lost in La Mancha by a horse who has been patiently trained by an off-camera handler to work with an actor in a scene of the film within a film. Standing in for the actor, the handler coaches the horse to creep up from behind and nuzzle him forward along a path, a kind of guiding spirit. The horse learns his routine brilliantly, but when the actor Johnny Depp shows up and the director calls for action, the now apparently starstruck horse refuses to move. Well, it's Johnny Depp. You know, (laughs) I don't care who you are. I loved you in Sweeney Todd. Stars in his eyes and couldn't do it. Maybe he should have put cream chicken in his pocket. He probably already had some in there. It's like, oh. You'd need an apple for a horse, though. A, similar, a similarly transcendent consciousness played for pathos, not laughs, characterizes the wailing puppy in Hitchcock's Secret Agent, 1936. Far off through a window, we see the dog's master being strangled on a mountaintop while a mile away near the camera, the dog is crying. I'm crying, too. What movie's that from? It's Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's from 1936. Oh. It's a very sad Secret agent. While the performances by human actors are sometimes obtained involuntarily, the screen performances of animals are, in some sense, always produced this way. Ultimately, what the animal does in front of the camera is behave rather than perform. It is through editing, shot selection, and narrative technique that the animal's behavior is transformed into a screen performance. When narrative techniques of constructing cinema are notably absent, the participating viewer's imaginary construction of animal behavior as screen performance is especially salient. If the milkman's dog, for instance, in 
The dog, in his various merits, from 1908, gazes occasionally at the camera with no discernible tendency to play to it. The viewer can still construct him as a screen actor. Equally oblivious to the camera, yet deeply engaging, are the ostrich, mules, horses, camels, elephants, and goats who parade through the Lumiere's promenade of ostriches, Paris Botanical Gardens from 1896, and the swimming horses in Dragons Crossing the Song. 1896. Did you ever see Milo and Otis? Yeah, honey. Believe me, that's coming up. Oh, good. Early cinema was full of animals who were either transformed into actors by the viewer's gaze or carefully... Oh, my computer likes to sell me things. You gotta put a pop-up blocker. I know. Wow. It really wants me to get this protection, honey. <laughs> Maybe you need it. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, folks. Um, so, are carefully trained to behave before the lens. Some animals acted in early cinema by performing their own deaths. And this is where it gets sad. In a famous early Edison film, Electrocution of an Elephant, spoiler alert in the title, Topsy is put to death for the or viewers Ew. who are not informed by the film that earlier she had killed three humans, one for feeding her uh, a cigarette. Well, <laughs> now I feel like it's justified patch. elephant murder. No, it's terrible. I cannot believe it. That That's why he's a dick. What? Edison. We'll future okay. episode on Edison, future episode on Tesla. In Nanook of the North from 1922 by Robert Flattery, Seals are routine, routinely slaughtered by Inuit. Other early films featured explicit animal performers. Early Edison catalogs advertised... Why were they slaying them? Well, <clears throat> there's there's kind of... There's different... Like, okay, so... The only way I, on film, I guess I could justify animal death would be, like, say, like a pride of lions attacking like antelope or you know what i mean no or like, no that's not justified they're trying to get their dinner well right you don't think that's justified that they're trying to get their dinner no no that is I, okay I, that's what i'm saying okay, is okay. if there's on-screen yes, yes, animal yes. death or like say birds eating roadkill yes that's national geographic right but like you know like edison killing an elephant is stupid and um you know, hunters killing animals for sport or for for food or sustenance. I get that, I guess. Um, early, uh, do, 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 do. yeah, so there, there's, there's basically, there's ways for, kind of ways to get, a, not necessarily get around it fully, but like, that makes sense, if, if you know what I mean. Um, Since the development of the star system, cinema has presented four types of screen actors, animal or human, screen icons, performers who are so universally recognized and loved that their identi identities entirely transcend the star system, as well as individual films or genres of films and who come to stand for film itself, stars, relatively few in number and broadly known beyond any one film for the particular personalities they continually display in principal protagonists, roles, characters, or bit players. Often eccentric and bearing especially discernible physical characteristics who play secondary roles 
of significant import for the plot and extras who are typically masked in crowds or in nondescript background parts without character names and typically without individual consequence for the plot. So basically like humans and animals can play all the range and it kind of gives you an idea like, cause I mean, there, there are movies where they're just dogs in the background, but those they're technically extras. Nice. There have been four principal animal icons since the birth of film, vastly circulated and deeply memorable screen creatures, even when they were not authentic animals in real life. Leo the Lion, the roaring trademark of MGM since 1928. King Kong, the animated model star of the film of the same name. Mickey is, Mouse for Scene Instinct. What? I was going to say, is Yogi Bear next? No, <laughs> Mickey Mouse, okay. Well, Mickey Mouse was first seen in Steamboat Willie, who reaches his... Uh, Apothesis when he congratulates Leopold Sikowski for his competence in conducting the Philadelphia Orchestra in Fantasia. Yeah. Toto, the canny Norwich Terrier in The Wizard of Oz, who, by pulling away the curtain from a frantic little man, reveals not only the artifice of the Emerald City, but also the artifice of cinema. Toto showed us the way. He's like, don't look behind the curtain, Dorothy. No. This bitch is a snake oil salesman and he yeah. tricked all the emerald city residents into thinking he was god yeah but the truth is I think he was would. sick of it after that whole journey he's like god hey my little black toes are hurt it's not like that the yellow brick road did not have enough things to pee on and smell and those little people while well, they get into partying that's a future behind the scenes. There's a movie about that actually. It's called like Beyond the Rainbow or something. Oh, yeah. I it's about how hard the that. the Munchkins partied during the filming of Wizard oh, of Oz. They're like we're running a train. Everybody, oh, get in gosh. here. That must have been so much fun. Heroin's legal. Oh no. Let's get it. Nobody ever do that. So the mere invocation of the names of these screen animals induces a full range of imaginary connections to image, behavior, character, and the viewer's recollection. Leo the Lion stands out among studio logos, gazing as he does beyond the screen into spectorial space. The great animal stars certainly include Rin Tin Tin from 1918 to 1932, a German shepherd pup found by an American soldier during World War I in Lorraine and named after a French children's puppet. Rin Tin Tin was brought to America and began work at the nearly bankrupt Warner Brothers studio on The Man from Hell's River from 1922. His agile and athletic performance was so widely popular with audiences he received thousands of fan letters every week. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What are you going to write to a dog though? You just send him a biscuit. Yeah. Grandma made it. I love you, Renton. Just write, Ten. write about it in your diary. I love Renton. Also unusually celebrated was Trigger from 1932 to 1965, the golden palomino ridden by Roy Rogers in all of his 33 films and lengthy television series. The on-screen relationship between Rogers and this horse was so affectionate that it formed much of the basis for the oft-told joke that a cowboy loves his horse more than his woman. If a cowboy loves Get his rid. horse too much, then he better go to jail. Or Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Isn't that right? No, they don't love a horse in that movie. They love each other. That's a that's a beautiful Hello, love story about two cowboys. If a guy loves his horse, I won't. I, 
Okay. Or a horse hung like a... Anyways. And if a guy that. loves his whores too much, he needs to go home and wash his dick. No, then he needs to just get out of my life. Yeah, he's a bad boy. And by the way, they're called ladies of the night and sex work should be legal because we're progressive in yeah. this family. That's right. Uh, so, although in Roger's case, his spouse, Dale Evans, was almost never far from his side, secure on her own mount, Buttermilk, <laughs> what would our horses' names be? My parents actually had a horse stable um, before I was born, and they had a salt and pepper, and what would I name my horse? Oh, yeah, gosh. Well, name both of our horses. Um, You can name yours. I don't know what I would name my horse. Babe, use your imagination. I know. I'm having a hard time. Why? Um, Maybe Cinnamon. Yep, that's my, that's my horse's name, Cinnamon. Well, if yours name is Cinnamon, since I'm usually the one that cooks the pancakes around here, mine's going to be called Pancake. I love that. Pancake cinnamon and Cinnamon. Cinnamon Pancake. And I would, I would feed Pancake every day. I kind of want a horse now that we're talking about. It. Oh, I love! I ride horses at least once a year, like at. But I then think it's I'm, called Double J Ranch. It's fun. I feel like I'd get in trouble because I'd accidentally give him something bad, and he'd have like terrible horse well, poops. Don't abuse animals, babe. I'm not trying. Is it abuse to give animals? If treats? you're talking, this is premeditation. This is recorded right no, now. No, I'm not trying to hurt my horses. <laughs> Jesus. Well, then we'll go horseback riding, and I know you won't hurt him. Why? Because I'm so... Because you just confessed that you weren't going to do it. Okay. And this is audio and it's forever and podcast infinity. Amen. So, in the, so other animal stars include Lassie, the collie heroine of Lassie Come Home. Who didn't love Lassie? A beloved family dog who is sold to rel- rel- relieve poverty, the much recreated stallion protagonist of Black Beauty who in the 1994 remake under the horse master Vic Armstrong and trainer Rex Peterson speaks English with Alan Cummings' voice. The black stallion played by a horse named Casa Casa Ole in the 1979 film who gamely manages to survive a shipwreck and being marooned on a desert island. Other memorable stars, here we go, of the animal world are the lovable killer whale from Free Willy, Willy, assisted in his performance by the effects supervisor... Oh, who this. didn't want a free willy? And I think that's where all of us kids, we grew up and we're like, shut down SeaWorld. In because 1993, I was definitely starting to free my own willy. Okay. I mean, puberty, just saying. Assistant in his performance, like I said, by the uh, Walt Conti. I wanted to mention the effects supervisor. The sad and noble Sky Terrier hero trained by John Darrells in Greyfire's Bobby, the true story of a dog from 1961. I wonder if my mom saw that. So loyal to his old master that he persists in sleeping upon the dead man's grave. Francis the talking mule, who from 1950 through 1955 goes to college, the races, and West Point. That's Speaking of dog actors, do you remember mule. Wishbone? Wasn't that a movie? It, it was a TV, was a TV show, show, I think, on PBS, and it was like he was um, Sherlock, a detective, basically, with a detective hat and everything. It's like wishbone. He can get to the bottom of it. You had me at detective hat. Yep. As soon as an animal puts on a hat, then I'm like immediately like, well, what's it's he too got precious. to say? It's too precious, yeah. 
what's what's on the docket? Um, yeah, so this talking mule goes to college races in West Point, covers the big town, and joins the WACs, speaking believably wherever he goes, talk, t- thanks to David Fleischer's timing corrections. Bonzo, the athletic chimpanzee in bedtime for Bonzo, bravely learning the difference between right and wrong from Ronald Reagan. What? Mm-hmm. This show is not political. Anyway, so the Golden Retriever basketball prodigy who stars in Air Bud. Oh, yeah, Air Bud. Buddy. The English sheepdog who, supervised by William R. Kohler, stumbles and bounds through the shaggy dog. Follow our Instagram. We will be posting a video from the shaggy dog or our Facebook or... Oh, my gosh. Do, do you remember Beethoven? Yeah. Yeah. My My aunt... R.I.P. who died, a uh, beautiful woman. Always like when we would go stay with her, she would take us to the movies. And one of the movies we saw together with my cousin, R.I.P. as well. Sadly, cancer is a bitch. Fuck cancer. Yeah. If we can cut iPhones, we can kill cancer, folks. Can we Can we, Can we? we step on that, scientist? Um, but yeah, we saw Beethoven and it was a lovely time. And then we uh, drank ecto coolers and played super nintendo life was great in the 90s um the various non-fleshy fleshly anthropomorphized puppeted or painted creatures in the pantheons of jim henson walt disney and warner brothers cartoons miss piggy kermit the frog mickey mouse donald and daffy duck bugs bunny porky pig the roadrunner wily coyote lady and the tramp these are all animals that we love like garfield yogi bear Mm mm-hmm Barney? Yeah, but he was not. What? You going to talk bad about Barney, a future episode on this show? Yeah, wasn't he naughty? Wasn't that like... No, you're thinking of Elmo, the guy that... Am I? I didn't know about this Elmo. Yeah, he's like a... The dude who was puppeting him was like a known kind of sex predator. Ugh, Car- it ruins everything. My whole life is oh, gone. Somebody can do it. Elmo. Can call me Elmo? Like, what is that Elmo voice? It's like... Uh, Elmo say no, no. Yeah, that's better. I feel like females pretty much own it when it comes to animal acting or puppet acting. Char- or cartoons. Uh, character or bit parts played by animals... Our legion include Cheetah the Chimp, played by Cheetah the Chimp, in Tarzan the Ape Man. Asta the Wire-Haired Terrier, played by Asta the Wire-Haired Terrier, famous for repeated appearance in various Thin Man films from 1934 to 1947, and also for playing George in Bringing Up Baby from 1938. Nemesis of the Leopard, trained by Olga Celeste, who is Cary Grant's nemesis. The Shrieking Cockatiel in Citizen Kane, great movie. The Lethal Panther, trained by Mel Kuntz and Cat People from 1942. Pie Kim Novak's Siamese Cat Familiar in Bell Book and Candle from 1958. The Snarky Black Raven Confederate of Julius Kelp in The Nutty Professor, Jerry Lewis, 1963. The Two Caged Lovebirds, around whom Witch Hitchcock's The Birds Swirl and Flutter. The Rats, Ben and Socrates, trained by Moe and Nora DeCesso in Willard from 1971. The Homesick Humpback Whales in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, from 1986. How did they make them act homesick? I mean, whales always sound homesick. It sounds like my guts after chili. The Domesticated Rabbit That Gets Cooked in Fatal Attraction. 
The Killer Poodle and Hulk from 2003. In the musical Summerstock 1950, a mixed breed chorus of singing dogs backs up Gene Kelly and Phil Silvers in Heavenly Music. In AVP Aliens vs. Predator 2004, a penguin does a walk-on, first as a potentially lurking alien presence, and then its actual benign self. Bart the Bear from 1977 to 2000 was a genuine screen personality. He staunchly antagonized Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin in The Edge from 1997 and appeared as the bear in 10 other films, Wind Walker from 1980, The Clan of the Cave Bear, The Great Outdoors, Laars, White Fang, The Giant of Thunder Mountain, On Deadly Ground, Legends of the Fall from 1994, Walking Thunder from 1997, and Meet the Deedles from 1998. A better comedian than Bart is the horse who gets knocked cold by a punch in the teeth and blazing saddles. Mel Brooks, 1974. In La Atalante, a pregnant cat drops a litter early in the film and the story sails on. The kittens attach themselves to virtually all the characters and every object that can be pounced or cuddled upon. In Le Grand Bleu, The Big Blue, by Luc Besson from 1988, a dolphin plays a deeply affecting and ethereal magical role, luring the her- a heroic competitive diver into an undersea afterlife. Which, I mean, an undersea animal life would be fun. Are we going to start talking about money now? Sure. All right. Why don't we take a break? All right. That We're all done good. with with the encyclopedia article. I basically just wanted to talk a little bit about different aspects of acting for animals and kind of the stipulations in Hollywood. Obviously, there are a lot of things out there to look at, and I would definitely look into the American Humane Association. And also, there's some real scary Reddit threads to go down on as far as issues with behind the scenes. But we'll get into some of that and more in the second segment. We'll see you on the other side. See you soon. Hello. I'm Mr. Red. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. And no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Red. Go right to the source and ask the horse. He'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Red. That was Mr. Ed. I love that song. I mean, it's definitely the 60s, and that's cool. It's got that aesthetic. Mr. Ed is an American television sitcom produced by Filmways that aired in syndication from January to July 1961, and then on CBS from October 1st, 1961 to February 6th, 1966. How come I always saw reruns on TV of Mr. Ed? Syndication, baby. Nice. I mean, a lot of those old-timey shows, which I think are good, like that and the Beverly Hillbillies and I Love Lucy. Leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. I mean, they're all solid watches. They're they're just moralistic. Even Lassie. Yes, even Lassie. Um, 
So you were asking about money, right? Yeah. Wondering, like, the exact paychecks of, uh, like, let's say Free Willy. (laughs) Well, while animals don't really need money, those famous animal actors should still get paid. There are a number of animal actors that receive a huge amount of money for their acting performances with a paycheck that can make any actor envious. Okay, hold on. Let's just pause. Think of it this way. If a bunch of crows owned you and they wanted you to do a certain seance in the night and then they got you, the human, as their witch pet to do this stuff and then they're like we need to pay him a bunch of old paper clips and you'd be like what can I do with this This, that's what I'm thinking that these animals are thinking about this money like what am I going to do with this just hopefully the owner you know buys things to make the animal comfortable I guess so not going to go to the mall I'm almost wondering if are you proposing the question of if and more if I doggy was, treats? Okay, that's all they care about. They don't want money. They want more doggy treats. Rin Tin Tin earned six thousand dollars per week. He held the starring role in twenty six movies for the Warner Brothers Studio. If you compare that to today's salary, it would equate to over seventy eight thousand each and every week. Would any of these animal actors get like? massages or like special strange I'm, sh- I'm sure that'll come up but yeah oh, okay. I think that you're you get the animal VIP pass yeah, backstage then, passes so at uh, whenever the killers come to play I swear I just turned on pop-up blocker but now it's just being more okay anyway The fact is that Rin Tin Tin had earned such a large amount of money for Warner Brothers that he became one of the key players in keeping the studio from filing bankruptcy bankruptcy back in the 1930s. Rin Tin Tin was a dog, a German shepherd to be exact, that was actually rescued by Lee Duncan, an American soldier during World War I, which we brought up in the first segment. He was brought from the battlefield and trained by the soldier who named him Rin Ti. Rin Tin Tin quickly became a much-loved movie icon that had been rumored to have actually received the most votes ever for a Best Actor Award from the Academy Award in 1929. What? He should have got it. However, the Academy was not willing to give their award to any animal. Ooh. Or to have any barking dog up on stage who wouldn't listen to the cue down music. Get rid of him. Rin Tin Tin, um... The light's flashing. You have to come off stage. Bork, 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 bork. Where's my treats, bork, bork? I saw a lot of shit in World War One, bork. Kiko, the killer whale, earned thirty-six million. That's free Willy. Thirty-six million. Yeah. Okay, who spent that? Well, you gotta imagine the amount of fish this thing's eats. Yeah, I guess. This is the start, uh, starring player in the Free Willy movies and made a killing financially. This is according to the richest.com, by the way. This will earned over $36 million in pay for his role and eventually gained his freedom back in 2002 when he was put Aww, back into the open the sea. The money is good for something. Dance, monkey, then you can go into the Atlantic. 
the true lesson of Free Willy is money can buy you freedom. Meanwhile, Kiko's like, but I got a bad habit. I like smack. <laughs> and I'm gambling on Oh, he's another fights. washed up old actor. You just see this giant whale on a corner like... What's he doing at the bar? <laughs> that looks depressing. <laughs> yeah, because he's not going to fit in with the wild people. Ook, ook. He can't like, We're even... not going to feed you and jerk you off. Make you do tricks? Absolutely not. <laughs> He's a goner. To jerk off the whale. Yeah, babe. Well, everybody needs to be released. So free, Willie. <laughs> okay, Kiko. moving on. Kiko passed away in Norway in 2003 after losing a battle with pneumonia. It's cold up there, Nico. You got to put on a sweater, Kiko. Not Nico. Bart, the Alaskan brown bear, earns... So, hold on, hold on. Back up, back up. Jesus, I'm baby. sorry. I love Free Willy. Just listen. So, listen. what was that... La- say the last two sentences again. This whale earned over $36 million in pay for his role in No, adventure. how did he die? Okay. It's a big sentence. All right. So when he was put back into the open sea, Kiko passed away in Norway in 2003 after losing a battle with pneumonia. Because he got cold. Baby. I mean, that was probably the most benign thing that Free Willy could somehow manage to get on his obituary. But, you know, he died because he was not eating and wanted star treatment. And the wilds were like, you're dead. I'm just wondering how they kept tabs on him. Did he have like a little microchip? Then he wasn't truly free. But are any of us truly? No, we all got tabs. Bart the Alaskan brown bear earned. Remember Bart from the... uh, I don't remember. The only bear that I even care about is the Smokey... The bear. Only you can prevent wildfires in Yogi Bear. So tell me about Forest this. fires. Yeah. What did I say? You said wildfire. Oh. Yeah, forest it's fires. Okay. I get words wrong all the time. Somehow all right, made a so, side hustle. But what's this bear? I don't don't even know about this bear. During I talked about him in the first segment. I know, but I'm still learning. During the nineteen eighties and nineteen ninety, this Alaskan brown bear Bart was Paid big bucks equating to one million total for the role he played in The Edge. That's the Anthony Hopkins Alec Baldwin movie where the rich billionaire Alec Baldwin goes to a resort in the woods and then they get isolated after a crash, a plane crash. And Alec Baldwin's like the kind of younger than the billionaire playboy who's a photographer who's taking If I haven't said yeah, yeah, yeah by now, you know I did not see this movie. (laughs) Okay. So Bart was also a star in a number of other movies, The Great Outdoors, where he starred with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy, future episode, as well as Legends of the Fall, when he starred with well-known actor Brad Pitt. During his career, Bart earned more than $6 million and died in 2000 at 23 years old due to cancer. Brad Pitt? Yeah. High roller. He died of cancer. Yeah. You know what I heard the other day too is you have to cook bear meat so much because there's a disease in the meat 
that if you don't burn it off, like literally if you eat it, you're just going to be puking and shitting all over the then place. Then don't eat bear. I'll Google that when she's vamping at some point. Pa- Pal the Collie earned 51000 per week. This was the very first dog that played the well-known persona of Lassie. This hero dog was seen on the small and big screen, and he earned up to $4,000 every week. In today's acting world, that will equate to a total paycheck of 51000 each week. Each week? Oh, man, that's the job. Pal passed away back in 1958 when he was 18 years old. He was the first in a very long line of collies that would come after him, making Lassie a contender in the group of the most beloved animals in all of TV history. Wow. I bet there's a huge cult that has, like, Lassie's blood. Like a like a breeder. Yeah. I gotta look that up. The well, Lassie I was, breed. I was thinking of this today. Like, the people that leave that continue to lead on the bloodlines of famous people like yeah. there's got to be like one just like half half step cousins triple cousin of like Adolf Hitler or something well, weird like that like yeah but they they all moved to Argentina um the moose the Jack Russell earned 10,000 each episode this is the well-known pet that played the dog Eddie on Frasier, who he was great, and actually earned a, a total of ten thousand for each episode while he was on the show. When he started getting older, the dog's son Enzo took over this role. Moose eventually passed away in two thousand six when he was fifteen due to natural causes. Are are there taxes like uh, released to the public? Because I gotta see this. How do you pay? Well, this animal. What is he spending? If, what if, is it really all the expenses going toward this animal? I feel like, first of all, you're going to have an animal agent, so you'll have most an of the money's going to the animal well, agent. Well, the agent's going to get something, but they're also agents and accountants probably work hand in hand in some way, and you probably need somebody to figure that out because otherwise you're like. Um, where do we put all this free money? Oh, I'll do some calculations. Hand it over. Fixed. That's what the IRS is doing right now. Taxation without representation. You know, we live in a beautiful world, though, so I'm thankful. Crystal, the capuchin monkey, earned $12,000 per episode. Crystal is definitely one of the top paid animal actors of all time. Crystal has been seen in a number of television roles in over 20 different films. You will likely recognize this monkey from films including Night at the Museum, The Hangover Part 2. However, the most well-known role of the monkey was in the not-so-popular television series Animal Practice. And he was paid a total of 12000 for each episode, which equates to a total of 264000 per season. This is not too bad for a monkey that was 20 years old at the time of animal practice filming. There was bad news for Crystal, however, when animal practice, the TV show, was canceled as a result of poor ratings. Wow. Ratings down the tube. Terry the Terrier from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Chances are you will recognize this pup from the very famous Wizard of Oz. While she worked in a number of other roles as well... 
from a Shirley Temple appearance to Tortilla Flat that starred Hedy Lamar and Spencer Tracy, the most recognized role of this pup was definitely as Dorothy's companion on her way to see the great and powerful Oz. Terry did suffer a broken foot while playing on this famous movie, however, recovered and went on to star in many other roles. That poor doggy's foot. Be careful with their feetsies. Skippy is a very famous pup for his role in the Thin Man movies and his starring role as Asta. He was also an extra in a number of other dog movies with his other major roles including The Awful Truth, Mr. Smith, and Bringing Up Baby. Skippy was well known for his acting abilities and holds a special place in many movie lovers' hearts. Golden Cloud, the horse, horse of many tricks. Golden Cloud appeared in a number of movies prior to being bought by Roy Rogers and given the name Tricker, which we kind of mentioned in the first part. And then number one, Higgins, better known as Benji. Oh, yay, finally, yes, that should be number one. He's the number one top paid animal actor of all time. While he also played in a number of other movies and television shows, he was most known and recognized in the role of Benji. His owner, Frank N., trained him and prepared him for those roles, making him one of the most beloved animal actors of all time, still remembered today for his many spotlight roles. That's the top 10 of animal actors. So... If you could watch a movie with animals in it, what would the movie be about? Oh, boy. Fern Gully. You just want to see animals acting in Fern Gully? Just that's what it would my movie would be about. It would it would be it would have that vibe and setup. So the okay. So you answer the question. Come up with a better one. So you're dissing my Fern Gully <laughs> fantasy. You just want to see a bunch of rabbits? Or, you know, okay, my other favorite movie as a kid was Land Before Time. I'd love to see dinosaurs acting <laughs> like Jurassic Park style. I love that movie too. <laughs> so- I just love that answer because I just want to see animals land before time. Like, yeah, well, what kind of movie? science would break? The world would shut down. Everybody's like, "Have you guys seen it?" No, it would be about the animal kingdom overcoming the pollution of man. Yeah. So, okay, what's your movie? Um, I would like to see a Goodfellas, but with monkeys. Oh my gosh! They're all like. Drinking their little whiskeys. Ook, ook. Why you think I'm funny? Funny how? Ook. See, canceled. <laughs> I, look, I'm I'm not the one to cast as the monkey. I'm just saying. <laughs> was that your try? Was that your audition? No, oh, I'm honey, just. I'm being so mean. Listen, we're going to talk about Dunstan Checks In. <laughs> it's a 1996 Canadian American children's comedy film directed by Kevin Quapis. The film stars Eric Lloyd, Graham Sack, Jason Alexander, Faye Dunaway, Rupert Everett, Paul Rubens in a rare role where he's not playing Pee Wee Herman, Glenn Shadick, and Sam the Orangutan as Dunstan. 
He's the star. I mean, he's on the cover. You're looking at it right now. Yep. He's got his pecs out. He's like, what up? He's wearing some... I, I, as a kid, I liked this movie quite a bit. But the film received negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and grossed $10 million against a budget of 16 So unfortunately, Dunstan checked out of theaters rather quickly. Shoot. That monkey did not get paid. Yeah, it. I mean, it sucks, but the thing is, so Sam the orangutan as Dunstan is pretty, 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 pretty memorable. But then again, like I said, the approval was 16% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 19 reviews. Some contemporary reviews were more generous, however, stating by the Washington Post from the film saying, quote, it ain't half bad. For a monkey man movie. And a fun, plucky, prank-filled family farce. Dunson Checks In was much more successful in home video than in theaters. As of April 1997, the studio had estimated 41.6 million in video sales, receiving 75% greatly exceeding box office gross. The film was released by 20th Century Fox, on VHS on May 27th, it was released on DVD on May 28, 2002, and re-released on March 18th, 2014. I can't think of many other movies that we didn't touch on as far as ape movies. Um, obviously, we, we talked about Planet of the Apes. We talked about... Um, we had Mr. Ed there who, according to something I read, said that part of the way that they would get his lips to move is by one of the trainers touching his hooves. I'd always heard that like it was had something to do with peanut butter, but I am sadly mistaken. But I don't know. It's kind of fascinating to think about. I wish that there was more out there done for animals when it comes to recognition i mean maybe it sounds a little too progressive but it would be nice to give out some sort of a award at the academy awards or maybe but a lot of people are like trying to get away from like zoos and captivity so uh probably animals shouldn't be actors but I don't even believe that either. Well, There's lots of domesticated animals, different species. True. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say because we've never been an animal in a human world. Yeah. And even though we are animal lovers, we don't necessarily know what animals are thinking other than what we sense. Except, you know, those dog and cat buttons that they have now where the Mm -hmm. animals can I mean what do you think about that I think I think dogs do know words and I I think that they are aware what if they're all just a bunch of sailors and they're just cussing all the time like fucking pet me you bitch that would be you and your buddies as puppies Hey, I'm going to lick my asshole. I'm going to watch. Excuse me, bro. 
<laughs> if you were talking like a dog like that, oh man, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy to think that any animal could talk, but it's been so popularized in film for so long that you kind of... I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a child of the 80s and I was just raised this way with cartoons, but I... I kind of always, because of my mom too, I always hear animals talking, sort of. Yeah. But there are furry companions, and they are family. And I want to give a shout out to my stepmom who lost her kitty just the other day. And I'll have to send her another text of sad and condolences because pets are family, and we should treat them respectfully and and kindly and, and no hurting animals please yeah. and i you know this because we one of the first series we watched together was friday the 13th and there's a sequence where they kill a snake and i skipped it i know well i couldn't watch game of thrones after they chopped that horse's head off i was like done that was a stunt and it was fake but yes i get it <laughs> it looks real it hurt it hurt my heart well Babe? Yep. I gotta I get my uh, cake out of the oven. My yeah. cinnamon swirl cake. It's breakfast, folks. Yep. We make sweet treats all the time. Yeah. And we want to know what your favorite animal actor is. So please join the Discord. Links in the description. Join the Facebook. Join the Instagram. Zanzizi podcast future episodes lots of things out there email us suggestions I've got a great big old google doc full of them and also this will come out before our youtube video monthly youtube video is up so subscribe to our youtube and you'll get to see video episodes as well and my beautiful partner is in two of those youtubes so far so and if anybody comments i will personally respond oh that's because she's she's a communicator I am. folks not just with me but with animals and you yep thanks for listening guys we love you and have a great week sounds good
has been a presentation of Beer City Media.